Does anybody enjoy studying the Word of God? It's exciting, isn't it? There's all kinds of things we can find out about the Word of God, and this week I got the chance to do it, so I'm very thankful for the privilege, the opportunity to be able to speak to you all tonight. And I pray that I'm bringing a thought that uh, God is dealing with each and every one of us. I've had some confirmations just this last week as I'm going through reading my devotions and reading the Bible, and it's just amazing sometimes how God just reminds you that you're either on the right track or you're not on the right track. And I'm thankful for that. Anybody else thankful for that? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get right into our lesson tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this privilege, this opportunity to be here. Lord, to study your word, to know more about you, Lord, as we learn from you. Lord, I ask that you administer to each and every one of us. You know just what each and every one of us need to hear tonight. You were able to minister to our hearts, our souls, our minds. Lord, help us to be able to be attentive to your spirit tonight, your direction, your help, and your guidance. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's remember all that we got going on at the campground this week. Lots of excitement with children's camp. A lot of great things that are happening, and we're just excited about what God is doing. Thankful for all of our camps and what God is doing. So let's just continue to remember all those things as well. Tonight, we are going to be talking about an interesting topic. And if you do a search for the word adversity in the Bible, you're not going to find it appearing very many times. It's a word that's not used very much, but I'm going to be talking tonight about overcoming adversity. So if you didn't get a sheet, raise your hand, and Brother David will make sure that you get one if you're coming in a little bit late. We've got a little sheet that I'd like to have for you so that you can have some information. Some things that I have personally had to deal with myself recently, and as I was going through it, I realized there are other people that need to hear this. Isn't it amazing how sometimes God allows you to go through some things so that you can minister to other people? Amen. So tonight, we are going to be talking about overcoming adversity. Now, overcoming adversity. First off, what is adversity? Well, I have a brief description. It's an adverse or unfavorable uh, fortune or fate a condition marked by misfortune, calamity, distress, hardship, difficulty, or affliction. We sometimes hear a similar word when they say, oh, there's an adverse reaction to the medicine uh, that we wanted to let you know about. You don't want to hear those things, do we? Now, I looked a little bit closer at the word adversity, and I found out that there is just one letter of difference between adversity and adversary. Kind of interesting. Now, an adversary means an opponent. Now, you you can see where the root of the word is coming from. In the Bible, we know what adversary is, right? And we know that this adversary is becoming bolder than ever. As we heard our pastor preach about this last Sunday in 1 Peter 5 and 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seemeth who he could devour. Now, why in the world am I talking about adversity? 
Because you, as a child of God, need to know that at some point in time in your life, you will go through adversity. If you haven't dealt with it, bless you. If you haven't dealt with it yet, I can promise you, you will at some point. It's a guaranteed it will happen. You will not skate through life unscathed by adversity. It's Somebody, I wish somebody would have told me that when I became a Christian. I got the story, oh, once you're a Christian serving God, it's just easy breezy. Uh, no, not necessarily. <laughs> it's been challenges and trials, but it's all been good as well. So the question is, what do you do with adversity when it is in your life? How do you manage it? How do you cope with it? And more importantly, how do you overcome it? That's what this lesson is all about tonight. So adversity is when circumstances or situations continually work against you. You are facing adversity. Adversity can come in many different directions, different avenues, physical, mental, spiritual, financial, relationships. There's things that can happen in our life that we realize that, okay, yeah, we're, we're dealing with adversity. Let me just play out this scenario for you. Your payroll at work didn't get processed on time. Ever happened to anybody? So now it's going to be late. That means the finances are not going to be there as expected in your bank account. Bills might be late, and the budget is tight. I personally hate that. I like being on time for all those things. We become edgy and sensitive. Have we been there? Your landlord lets you know he is selling the house that you call home, and you have to move out in one month. People are getting on your nerves at your work, and you're just about to lose your patience with them. Been there done that. Uh, a sudden tragedy happens and someone in the family ends up in the hospital. You get some strange, weird illness out of the blue that you can't explain. Someone in your family has a serious auto accident. Now, you've been told by your boss at your job, you must move to wherever they want you to go or you're going to lose your job. Perhaps disaster happens in your home. You find out that your air conditioner needs to be replaced, and the home warranty company won't pay for it. And it's only the beginning of summer. This is sounding like adversity. Your coworker throws you under the bus and steps on you just to get to the next corporate router lung at your work. Somebody in your family suddenly passes away. On Friday, you joyfully go pick up that paycheck that was late, and stapled to it is a pink slip. Problems with your children not responding to you and their rebellious attitude? You know the saying, when it rains, it pours, right? When things just seemingly come down on you one thing after the other, whatever the issues are, they cause adversity. Okay, I've just explained what adversity is, and some of you might be relating to what I just said. 
I cannot confirm or deny the things that I had to deal with in just this last week. But I can tell you, I've been through some of those. Calamity and tension, it's all there. The result is your peace is just disrupted. You go to pray and all you can think about is your problems. Been there? I've been there. In fact, this image they're going to throw up on the screen may really explain how you feel <laughs> when adversity hits you. I found that on the internet, kind of liked it, thought that was pretty clear about describing how we might feel. We feel deflated. We feel like there's this oppressive weight on our back. Now, Brother Bruce recently taught about the Pilgrim's Progress, a tremendous story. I highly recommend you read or watch the videos out there about it. We know as Christians, there is a straight and narrow path we have to travel to make it to heaven, right? We're not supposed to veer to the left or to the right. We're just supposed to stay down that narrow path. But what we don't know is that the path is filled with lots of twists and turns, obstacles and pitfalls down the road. And I do know this, that the farther down the path you go, the closer you get to your destination, the narrower that path becomes. It's even easier to veer off to the right or to the left. In fact, there will be those that will literally come up alongside of you and try to knock you off your path. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? But this is what the, the adversary does. The attacks become swifter and harder, unexpected from out of nowhere. And they will sometimes just blindside you. And you say, how could this possibly be? Why is this person treating me this way? I do know this. We don't know the pathway God will take us to reach our destination. But I do know this. There will be bumps in the road. There will be obstacles. There will be pitfalls. And there will be distractions. Because we have an adversary. And we've got to be wise and know that. Anything that will draw our attention away from the mission, which is reaching our destination, that's what the adversary is in, involved in doing. Now, I have observed and experienced this, that anytime you have a worthwhile work to do for the kingdom of God, you're going to run right smack into the middle of resistance and adversity. Now, we have a particular topic to talk about tonight and it is Nehemiah. I could have chose a number of things, and you could have picked any one of these Bible characters out and talked about their story, but tonight I'm going to focus on Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah, he wanted to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem because that wall was torn down, and the people that were there had no protection from their enemies. It was a real serious deal. We know that what happened, they were exiled, they ran out of there, but when they came back, they rebuilt the temple, but they didn't rebuild the wall to protect them. Now, when Nehemiah heard the report, I'm going to summarize, I'm not going to read all the scripture just because it's a lot of reading. I highly encourage you to go out and read Nehemiah, the first five chapters, six chapters, it's a wonderful read. He had a burden and a desire to rebuild the wall. That's the first thing that he had. 
And the king, Artaxerxes, supported him and gave him all the resources that he needed. However, here comes the resistance. Sanballat and Tobiah were very angry when they heard that someone was looking after the welfare of the people of Israel. Now, Sanballat, he was the governor, and Tobiah, he was the Ammonite leader. Sanballat was the, uh, I'm trying to remember which governor he was, Samaria. I had to think of it up about in a minute. But anyway, they were causing resistance. So what did Nehemiah do? Well, he secretly went and inspected the walls, and then he motivated the Jews to rise up and build. So as they bring up this slide here, you can see what this looks like, and you can't maybe see it that well, but it was not just one small wall. It was a huge wall, and it went all the way around the Temple Mount, and a lot of gates in between, and the, the gates were burned down. The wall was pushed over in many places, and it was a big, big job of reconstruction. But Nehemiah was able to motivate people, and he got them to recognize, we're in great distress here. We need to rebuild this wall. But now his secret got out because the people said, yes, let's do it. Let's rise up and build. But Sanballat and Tobiah, they accused him of rebelling against the king the very king that was backing him up and supporting him and tried to get him in trouble. Sanballat and Tobiah brought opposition to the work by mocking the Jews. They attempted to make Nehemiah afraid and the, the, the work with the rebuilding of the wall would stop. That's what he's trying to do. Just get him off the task. Tobiah said, if a fox jumps up on the wall, it'll knock it down. They were mocking the Jews. You know what Nehemiah did? He prayed against their taunts. And he said, Almighty God, bring their taunts on their own head. And the people rallied with Nehemiah, and the wall was one half the height because the men had a mind to do the work. It was moving forward at a very rapid rate. But now Sanballat and Tobiah are going to cause more trouble. They're going to get other people involved. They got in Geshub, who was the Arab leader, and they brought him in. They got the Ashdodites, and they all became very angry when they saw that the progress on this wall was going forward. The breaches were getting closed up. They realized this thing's happening. So Sanballat and Tobiah and all who were with them, they plotted to cause confusion. They were going to come into the camp and bring in more rubble. And every bit of rubble they're sorting through, they were just going to dump more garbage on it. And then eventually, they were going to kill them. They said, we, they won't even know. We'll just walk among them and come up and kill them and stop the work. They were getting desperate. So Nehemiah, he set a guard day and night to protect the people from what was going on. But it was brought out that there's just too much rubble. We're, going to, we're not going to be able to get this done. The Jews then came out to them that were in this area and said, you have got to return to us. This work has got to continue. We cannot allow this wall to stop. We need this level of protection. Now these people are mad at us, and this is our only level of protection. So what did Nehemiah do? He took the lowest space stationed in the wall and 
put people there with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Now, this is getting complicated. And he told them, do not be afraid of these people rising up against you. These are some great lessons we can learn when we're facing resistance. Nehemiah had those on guard and those rebuilding the wall working in shifts. From this point forward, now that they're threatening their life, they literally had half the people of the workforce, half were guarding, half were working. From dusk till the stars came out. That sounds like a laborious job. Rebuilding a wall in the first place sounds like unbelievable amounts of physical labor because they're dealing with these huge rocks, this great big mowers of wood, and they don't have the modern implements like we do today. They're not going to break out their DeWalt, okay, and buzz something up. It don't work that way. It's much, much more complicated. Those working to carry the burdens, they had to carry their swords with one hand and work with the other. Brother Paul, last week, he had a sword. He was out here showing you all. Can you imagine everything you do today to do with that sword in one hand? That would be hard. That would be arduous work. But that is literally what they had to do. So if they were carrying rocks, going up ladders, the sword, their hand was on it. Because you never knew who was going to come up against you. Now, Nehemiah, he had been doing a great work. But Sam Bowett and Tobiah and those that were with them, they said, come and meet us at the plain of Ono. We want to talk to you. But he knew they were going to do him harm. So Nehemiah said, oh, no. Oh, oh, no. No, I, I thought that was kind of cool, right? Oh, no, I will not do that. In fact, he said, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? He addressed the threat, didn't he? But he ignored him as well and said, I'm not doing that. You called it, oh, no? All right, oh, no, I am not doing that. Four times this happened. Must have got irritating. Now, the fifth time, it came with a letter of conspiracy against Nehemiah. A false testimony was made. Hmm, has anyone ever falsely testified against you? Doesn't feel too good, does it? Well, this happened in Nehemiah. And it was given by Geshub the Arab that he agreed about this as well. That Nehemiah, he wants to be king. And the Jews were intending to rebel and go against their king. So now the king is going to know about it. And they're trying to get them in great trouble. So they said, come down and let us take counsel together. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. I am going to tell them in Nehemiah 6, 8, and 9, no such things that you have said have been done. For you are inventing them of your own mind. Where'd you come up with that? For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will just drop the work and it will not be done. But then he prayed and he said, oh, God, strengthen my hands. We will hit adversaries sometimes. And we got to go to God about it and say, God, you see this adversary, what, what's coming against me. 
but God strengthened my hands because there's a great work to be done. You see, Sanballat and Tobiah, they took another step. They hired false prophets to prophesy. Everybody like that term? Prophesy. I heard that from my wife. I thought that was nice. Asked him, they uh, said, Come and hide in the temple. They're coming to kill you, Nehemiah. Come and stay in the temple and close the doors because they're coming to assassinate you tonight. Nehemiah had to ignore that threat as well. He recognized this is just the adversary. And he found out that Sambal and Tobiah had hired them to speak against him. False prophets. That was a lot of frustration that he had to put up with. Oh, I also forgot to mention this. The people of the Jews, Nehemiah had to become a social worker because he found out that the, the leaders of the Jews in that area, they were exacting taxes on the people. And that might not sound so bad because everybody pays taxes, but there was a famine in the land. You see how there's multiple things, one right on top of the other. But I do know this, that Nehemiah persisted. He persisted all the way through, and you realize it took a lot less time than it could have taken. After 52 days of overcoming ridiculous adversity, the rebuilding of the wall of Jerusalem was finished. 52 days. What can man do when he puts his mind to it? and says, I will not be interrupted by the adversary. Now, we may have not have to deal with adversity as Nehemiah, like he did, but you and I, we will face adversity. It's a given fact. We talked about it already. I do know this. Discouragements in life, they will happen, won't they? Even the prophet Elijah, remember him? Mighty prophet, brings fire down, kills the, God does, and shows the prophets. This is who God is. Next thing you know, Jezebel is threatening his life. He goes running into the woods. And next thing you know, he says, I'm no better than my, than my father's. I wish that you would kill me. Take my life from me. He becomes fearful and discouraged. That tells me anybody can become fearful and discouraged. People will sometimes hurt your feelings. Look at your neighbor and say, your feelers might get hurt. Your feelers might get hurt. Now, when bad things happen, when we've been hurt, when it's especially by other people, the temptation is very great to just sit still and do nothing. I'm not going to allow someone to have the opportunity to get close to me and hurt me again. We can deal with all kinds of things, things that happen, losing our job as we talked about, people passing away, all these things that we deal with and then eventually have to go through and we can conquer those things. But when somebody does something to us, that's hard, isn't it? When we have a conflict with a friend, a neighbor, a relative, a close friend, whatever it is, family member, those are things that hurt, and they seriously hurt. And the temptation is just to, I'm not going to do anything. 
And I'm going to be transparent here tonight. I won't tell you all the details, but I can tell you that my wife and I, we had to deal with that in our transition here. It was very easy to just say, we're not going to do anything. But we came with the attitude, no matter what God puts in front of us, we're going to do whatever that is. God's, whatever he wants us to do, we're going to do. We're not going to sit down. We're not going to feel whipped. We're not going to just sit down and do nothing. We got to keep moving. We got to keep moving forward. Sometimes the enemy, the adversary, Satan, the devil, we'll just call him who he is, he just wants us disillusioned, right? He wants us stunned. If we're just stunned, he's totally fine with that. In fact, I'm going to blow you away here tonight. The enemy doesn't even care if you faithfully attend an apostolic Pentecostal church. As long as you sit on a pew and don't do anything to move forward the kingdom of God. So the question is, is what do you do when you feel like the rug has literally been pulled out from under you? It's been pulled out from under your feet. So I got some practical tips for dealing with it, overcoming adversity, and that's what I put on the sheet here. But we're just gonna go down through this list. The first is keep doing what you have all, always done. If you've got a prayer life and you get up and you pray at a certain time, do that. That happened with Daniel, right? Daniel, he got hit with adversity. If you do this, you're going to get thrown into the den of lions. What did he do? Threw those doors wide open and prayed just as he always did. No fear. Don't stop your routines because our routines is what helps us keep our peace and also keeps us in a rhythm. We also need to pray against our adversary to God. We got to acknowledge it. Maybe not to the enemy, but we got to acknowledge it to our God. God, I'm dealing with this. We can't just think we're going to take it on our own, right? That's where we get ourselves in trouble. When we say, I got this, I can deal with it. No, we can't. We need God to help us. And I've been guilty of that, thinking, I'm tough enough. I can, I can deal with that. Here's a good one. Speak faith about how God will bring you through this situation. This will confuse and confound the enemy. If you praise God for him bringing you through the tribulation that you're still in, the enemy's going, huh? What, what's going on? He doesn't understand what's happening. We need to keep our attention on that mission of whatever God's got set in front of us, reaching our destination. Sometimes I feel like we need to have blinders on. You know how you see the racehorses going down the track? I don't go there, but if you do, this is what you see. You see the blinders on the horse's eyes. That's there for a reason, so that they can focus on one thing, which is keep going forward around the track with their opponent right in front of them. Uh, that's all they're focusing on. They're not looking it up in the crowd. They're not looking for anything else. Sometimes we need blinders on. because We're getting closer to our destination every day, aren't we? As we make it further down that pathway, it's going to be that much more important. Like Nehemiah, we can never let our guard down. We can never make the mistake and think, Satan's not going to mess with me. If you're living for the kingdom of God, he's going to mess with you. 
He's going to do everything he can. I've also learned that fear is paralyzing. It just stops us dead in our tracks. And that's not of God, is it? We know that fear is not of God. But we know that faith is encouraging. It's motivating and it's energizing. Look at what Nehemiah was going up against, this disaster of this wall. It seemed like an insurmountable task, but yet he rallied people with him because he believed it was important, and he got them to do it, to join with him. He couldn't do it on his own. Now, like this picture, don't ever coast. <laughs> the only way you coast is downhill, and in this case, you're going to get crushed. This is an image that you often see in the corporate world, talking about how you have to keep moving forward. Going forward and upward requires constant effort and momentum. We don't ever want to lose that momentum. That's the reason why our routines are so important. We might feel deflated, but don't stay there long. We got to pull ourselves out of that ditch right away because Misery loves company, and the first thing we want to do is tell everybody else about our misery. Now what do we do? We bring other people down to our situation. We have to ignore the adversary's threats. There are threats that are going to come up against you that don't make any sense whatsoever. Some that will even go completely against what God has told you to do. If God's told you to do something, we've got to listen to whatever that call of God is. It's so important to hear that call of God in our lives, isn't it? So that we don't get dissuaded when the enemy comes along and brings an attack and says, oh, we need you to do whatever this is. And you know that's going totally against whatever God's wanting us to do for his kingdom. Slide number 14 here says, bear ye one another's burdens. These are some scriptures. You know, when once we get through our situation and we start talking with other people in a positive way that God's going to help us, we can share our burdens with others. That's how we make the load lighter. You know, I can accomplish so much more with my brothers and sisters than I can all by myself. I need other people praying for me. I need to be praying for other people. I need that each and every day. I can't carry all of my burdens all by myself. We also need to know that God fights our battles, and he knows everything. People may deceive us. People may even deceive other people. But God knows everything, and he's the righteous judge, and he will fight our battles if we let him. You know, there are so many times we say, God's going to fight my battle, but yet we take charge and say, I got this. I got this, God. And God's like, okay, you got it. But then we find out we need God. As we heard from Brother Paul last week, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not talking physical battles. We're fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places, Ephesians 6.12. There are some battles that you will not have to fight. The Lord will fight them for you. We see examples of this in the Bible, right? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. 
We know what Moses experienced. And there was a story of this that happened in dealing with Elisha and his servants and the inhabitants that were coming up against them. And in 2 Chronicles 20, 15, and 7, I won't read all of it here, but the main thing that I want you to see is it says, do not be afraid and do not be dismayed. You will not need to fight in this battle. Sorry, I got my lessons mixed up, but this was Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed. That's sometimes hard, isn't it? When you're in the middle of that adversity, we want to be afraid. We want to be paralyzed, but we got to pull ourselves out of it and say, no, we're not going to fall to that. God's going to bite my battle. I just have to leave it in his hands. If God be for us, who can be against us? This is self-talk. We need to be talking this in our head, right? When we're right in the middle of that adversity, if God is for me, who can be against me? If we believe that, then nothing can come against us. Fear cannot come against us. And Jude, it's a very short book in the Bible, but some of the words in there are so powerful. Build up your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That intimate time with God. God, I don't understand how this is going to work out, but you do. I don't know how this is ever going to straighten out. This is beyond my power. That's when God can take care of it because he can do anything. Sometimes the adversary tries to trip us up with fear of the unknown. What I have to say to that is, I don't know what tomorrow holds. You're right, but I do know who holds my hand because that's where my peace comes from. We are not really alone. Oftentimes, when you're in the midst of adversity, you feel like you're the only one going through whatever you're going through. You feel like it's just all you. But Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For ye have said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. That's a promise. God will never leave us or forsake us. We sometimes leave him, but he doesn't leave us, right? And I really like this one. Those that be for you are more than those who are against you. There are times when I've needed to know that. When I feel like I'm just the only one there going through something, sometimes I wonder, is even God listening to what I'm going through? but he is right there. Now, I know I'm not the only person that's ever felt that way, where it's been like, is God, are you really listening? Are you really there? He is. And if he would open my eyes, I would see there are so many that are for me and not against me. And this happened with Elisha. Now I get the, play, the story here. Second uh, Kings six fifteen and seventeen. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered them, Fear not, for they that are with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. 
And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, his servant, and he saw. And behold, the mountain, it was full of horses and chariots of fire around Elisha. Oh, if we could just see that sometimes. The angels that are encamped around us, as Psalm 34 says, the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. We don't need to fear our situation. We need to fear God. Amen? Because he will deliver us. He will help us through that. There are many others that overcame adversity, and I could have took this time to talk about any one of them. Job, (laughs) you talk about adversity. I don't know how long his adversity lasts. Any idea? Anybody know? Doesn't really say in the Bible does, but it, it does say that it was a long time. It was a very long time. I do know this. His calamity came in one day, one thing after another after another, and it lasted for an extended period. But he pushed through, and he was twice as blessed in the end. Joseph... His life spells adversity. You can look up that definition and realize he got a raw deal, and he came out on top in the end. But at the time, it sure looked like a bad situation. Moses, you can look at any one of these people on the list here. There's plenty of them. Paul gave us great encouragement because you know Paul. He overcame great adversity. In Acts 20 and 22 through 24, it says, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. He knew he was going to be bound. But none of these things move me. Wow, that's a spirit I want to have. That none of the things of life would move me. But I have to admit, that has not been the case. Sometimes I get told something, something hits me, and I realize that rocked me. That startled me. And I know I'm not the only one. But I want to be that person that things are not going to move me off of my path. I'm not going to be discouraged. Even Jesus told us in Matthew 18, 7, Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come. I sure wish that wasn't the case. But he said it. Offenses must come. But woe to the man by whom the offense cometh. There's nobody that dealt with more tribulation, affliction, persecution than Jesus Christ. Nobody. Jesus gave us an encouragement in John 16, 33, these things I have spoken unto you, then in me you might have peace. When you're going through the middle of adversity, you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. What a great promise that is, that he has overcome the world. Jesus dealt with adversity, and he shows us how to deal with adversity. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, he says some things that just totally blew everybody away that was listening to it. Luke 6, 27, 28. But I say unto you which hear, 
love your enemies. Do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you. And pray for them which despitefully use you. I'm sure he was looking at people and the chins just hit the floor. Because this is not what he was, they were expecting him to say. That was not how they lived. They lived an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, revenge. This was all about that. But no, Jesus said, give your cloak to somebody else and don't expect it back. This was unheard of things. But there's something I do want you to know, that God uses adversity, and I mentioned it in the very beginning, not only to benefit us personally, but also to benefit others. As God helps us through adversity, we're, we are able to help others who have all kinds of troubles, using the same help that we ourselves have received from God. Adversity helps our faith to grow in countless ways. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comfort us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So whatever you've gone through in your life, whatever afflictions, whatever tribulations, adversity, it's got all these different names, whatever that is that you've gone through, it's for a purpose. God will use it to minister to somebody else. I don't have the answers tonight of why we go through things. And why do afflictions happen in our life? Other than what Jesus said, these offenses, they must come. I don't understand that. But I do know whatever I've experienced in my life, I can minister to someone else. Because I can't talk about, I can't minister through something that I haven't experienced on my own. I can read about it, I can study it. But until I've experienced it, I can't really relate but God has given me that opportunity in those times of things I've gone through, and I imagine you have as well. They serve a purpose. God knows what he's doing with us. So my question tonight as we wrap this up is, what is your foundation? Because that's what really matters, isn't it? Where is your security? Where does that lie? Is it your home, your possessions? Your job, your finances, your relationships, your education, all those things I've just mentioned are temporal. And we've got to be careful, don't we, that we cannot put our foundation, our sense of security, whether it be job security, whether it be my home, any of these things can change. We didn't talk about some of these other adversities, but a house fire. Uh, things that a flood could happen. All these things are temporary. They can go away. And many people sitting in this room have been affected by them at one point in time or another. Jesus Christ, he is our firm foundation, right? He's got to be that firm foundation that no matter what, I may have this happen in my life, I may have this happen, but he is still God. And he still knows what is best for me. 
Things may happen. Afflictions may come. Offenses. And I don't understand why. And in those moments when I say, God, I don't understand, I still go to God. And I say, God, you've got the answers. You have it all figured out. I want to be obedient to your plan and whatever that means. That means whatever comes my way, Lord, I want to be ready to deal with that. And we've dealt with these situations in our life. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus gave us a parable. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. This is what will happen to us if we put our securities in anything other than Jesus Christ. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. Amen? We hear the song on Jesus Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. I had all these thoughts coming to my brain. Uh, he's not like a rock when you cross the creek, and you know how it sometimes gives way under your foot, and you might take a dive into the water. That's not what Jesus is. When you stand on him, nothing else moves. He is always there for us. Now, God is unique because he can see over our obstacles in front of us. He can see under them, through them, and around them. He has a different perspective than you and I. Now, some, sometimes God doesn't say, go over, around, or through your obstacle. Instead, he says, get behind it and push that obstacle up the hill with you as you go, as you see on the screen here today. I do know this. With God's help, you can overcome adversity. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this privilege, this opportunity tonight. Lord, to encourage our hearts and our minds that we can overcome adversities that happen in our lives, Lord, the things that we don't understand, those moments when we cry out to you and we say, Lord, we need you. We need you to give us direction and guidance. Lord, we need our firm foundation to be in you and nothing else, oh God. Lord, help us to be an encouragement to others, Lord, for the adversities that we have faced, God. Lord, that we are able to minister to others, Lord. Other souls that matter, Lord. Souls hang in the balance. Uh, Lord, you've given us opportunity to reach those souls by the experiences that we have had in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would go with us and encourage us and give us that opportunity where we can minister through the things that have happened in our lives to others, to reach souls for your kingdom, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. We're getting out just a couple minutes early. God bless you all. Have a great week.